welcome to the Dellingpot with me, James Dellingpot. And I know I always say I'm excited about this week's special guest, but um, Calvin, um, this is his second appearance on the on the on the Dellingpot, and I'm delighted to have him back. Um, Calvin Robinson, that is. Um, Calvin, the last time I had you on, I thought you were a schoolboy. I, I, you do look ridiculously young, even though you're, <laughs> you're closer to my age than schoolboy age. <laughs> But I suppose to be fair, Actually, don't give my secrets away. No, I was, um, I think you were fuzzier last time. I think, I, I think my internet was even more bad last time than it was this time. So I think I can be semi excused. And you very kindly noticed, um, that how well groomed yeah. I was looking because, because <laughs> you, <laughs> we booked the time to start this podcast and I suddenly noticed I looked like, I looked like a terrorist. I was completely and i've got this sort of grizzled grizzled stubble now and so i had to rush upstairs and and, and shave it off because i know that you know some of my some of my gay fans and my female fans obviously love, love to see me looking kempt um <laughs> anyway i'm how, sure they do how are you, you i'm you, very well thank you it's good media, to see you this time because you do a lot of media don't you you're out there fighting the fight i i do i've did Good Morning Britain this morning, talk radio this morning. I'm writing a piece for the Daily Mail as soon as I get off the phone for you. So back to back, how I love it. No what, time to get bored. What's your piece for the mail? It's on this ridiculous, woke lot of students at Magdalen who've taken down the Queen's portraits. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it does seem like... Um, you've got the dream job, I mean, at the moment, in, in that... It's such a target-rich environment for anyone who, who's, whose job is speaking out against woke nonsense in the culture wars. So, so that, that'll I, give I us our topic. Because a lot of my recent podcasts have not been about the culture wars. As you probably know, the culture wars used to be very much my preoccupation too. I think that that has been yeah. superseded by an even bigger war. Um, but I still think your theatre is a is well, a, a more urgent war anyway. Yeah, a more urgent war. I think. I think. I, I, I mean, for example, had you been a doctor, which you're not, uh, had you been a mother, which you're not, I would have. I would be urging you right now to talk about the uh, this this disastrous idea to to give our children experimental gene therapy. But actually it, it's a nice break for me and for our, for our listeners who want a bit of variety to, to go down the cultural war rabbit hole instead. Um, the, yeah. Well, instead we can define mother. What, what is a mother these days, James? Actually, you, very good point. You've, you've, you've been very well trained. You, you, you're, you're there to spot any kind of, that's kind of, it's not a microaggression, that's different, but it's one of those kind of, indicators that one isn't isn't sound because you know it's a it's an old old it's it's a word it's a word from the past that i think we should all learn to reject it's normal language yeah so the, the oxford thing i i yeah. just i really feel i i i've mentioned this before i really feel embarrassed about having been to oxford i used, i used to think it was a big deal and now i feel like what was i getting what was i getting into what was i getting involved yeah. with that that awful establishment yeah you're just agreeing with I know. I'm, I'm there right now reading theology well not literally right now i'm in london but but 
it, it's become entirely woke. The, the student cohort are now the ones pushing this direction that used to come from the academics. And the academics are like, whoa, what's going on? They're, they're even more woke than we are. Uh, it's, it's become, you know, the vice deans and everyone's meeting together to say, what's, what's going on? The students are cancelling each other and there's no platforming each other. They're not engaging in debate. Uh, and the students are too busy virtue signaling, uh, too busy trying to look good. I'm just going to do something. I'm going to lose you for a second because I suddenly realised that I've 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 moved my decent internet onto my shit internet. I'm just going to get back to my slightly less shit internet. Um, <laughs> uh, um, wait a second. Uh, just okay. give it, uh, wait. Oh. That would be better. Either recording. Yeah. Yeah. Good. That's good. You so what, what, I, you, you say you're doing a, you're doing a postgrad in theology. Um, so I'm studying for holy orders at the moment. So when I come out of this, I should, God willing, be ordained. Um, it's, it's a bit different to what I'm used to doing. Uh, it's very challenging in lots of different ways. And of course, I'm training in, within the Church of England, which is also a work institution at the moment. So that has its own, own different challenges. Yeah, that's good. No, because I was, I was, I know you can talk about many things. And I was just using my, my spider sense to try and work out what direction we were going to take this, this chat in. Because uh, we could have gone in any direction. And now I know. Uh, we're going to go go we're going to talk about that but so you're at one of the religious colleges i can't remember what they're called st bennett's is it or st i i i try not to talk about the actual college just okay oh okay fair enough no no isn't that an indicator (laughs) in itself of of the of the problem that we problems that we face um but oh absolutely i mean i'm brave but i'm not that brave do you so you you're in London now, but I mean, do you hang out, do you hang out in, in Oxford? I mean, you... Um, I do occasionally, yeah. I, you know, I jump on the Oxford tube back and forth as much as I can. I'm actually in Reclaim's HQ at the moment filming this because they've got a nice office space. Yeah. But um, yeah, I hang, out, I hang out in Oxford. It's full of students, though. That's the problem. Yeah, but there was, I'm sure there was a time when students were, would have been quite fun to hang around. I, I mean, I don't think it's, it's, it, it, is, it is written, is it, that students should be just like horrible little woke ticks. I'm sure that had you been at Oxford in, actually, would you have liked to have been there in Evelyn Wars Day? You'd have, you, you'd have, you'd have. I probably would have been, I probably. But the thing is, students used to be radicals. Students used to, you know, be anarchists. They used to, you know, want to change the world. And now they just want the perception of changing the world, don't they? It's, you know, Taking down a portrait of Her Majesty the Queen isn't that radical. I honestly think putting putting portraits up of Her Majesty the Queen these days is far more radical. Get one put up in a college somewhere, that's more difficult. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just shocked that it should have happened so so rapidly. I mean, has it? do you think it's got any, any purpose anymore, Oxford, really? Because if, if, all it, if all it's doing is, is reinforcing the, the woke agenda and, and, and people aren't really discovering... Well, no, I think it does. Because I think it's... The, the difference is it's the student cohort that are entirely woke at Oxford, whereas yeah. at most universities, it's, it's the, the dons as well. I don't think the dons are entirely woke at Oxford. Obviously, there are some, you know, the ones who tried to tear down the Oriel statue of, of Rhodes. Yeah. But I think quite a lot of them are, are still quite sound and still interested in academic excellence as far as you know it's, it's relative though isn't it if we look at some of the polytechnics they've, they've completely gone bonkers and they're teaching made-up courses of, of gender studies and, and race studies and we've got professor kehinde andrews who i'm often debating teaching black studies whatever the hell that means it's, 
So some universities are completely gone. Oxford, I've still got hope for. Yeah. Okay. What? So, so there are a few dons there that that can, because because I I when I I had a chat with my old tutor about five years ago, and I said how much better things were in my day. You know, when I was when he was teaching me, and he said, yeah. James, even then I was the exception. Um, that so i don't know yeah. um but as do long you, as there are still those exceptions you know yeah yeah do, you're taking holy orders um in the c of e ah uh, that's a that's quite a quite a bold move for somebody who believes in god how, how does, <laughs> how, tell me how that yeah. works we have to make the church sound again. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I, I um, look. I'm with you. you know, look, um, as you know, I, I on a previous podcast, I, I spoke to Jamie Franklin from the Reverend Pod, and I think those boys. Are, yeah, he's very good. And I'm I'm hoping to see the. Um, I'm going down to Salkham in in a few weeks' time, and I'm hoping I, I haven't told him yet, but I want to go and see the, the one the one who's got a church in Salkham. Um, yeah. But I'm kind of while we're on the subject of the church, I, I'm kind of looking for a new for a new church i don't think the c of e's what, does it well what is that you know for me the importance is of course the first loyalty is to god but then after that is queen and country and the church of, in the church of england i can be loyal to all three any other church i join i can only be loyal to one and i think it's <laughs> as superficial as that sounds it's important to me i i like your um your patriotism and your i'm i'm not even this is a terrible thing to say but although i'm definitely with you on the first one i'm not even sure i'm i'm with you on the on the second and the third anymore i mean obviously not to the point of removing portraits of the queen from from right. my wall uh, not that i have one in the first place but if i did i wouldn't remove it for woke reasons but I'm afraid the Queen rather lost me when she when she got co-opted into the vaccine campaign. I thought that was a really, yeah. really wrong thing to do. I mean, a, a betrayal of her yeah. so-called subjects. Yeah, but it's not the first time she's been coerced by government, isn't it? Uh, you know, Tony Blair did a similar thing around Princess Diana's death. Um, you know, she is a human being. She's susceptible to coercion and persuasion as much as anyone else. And to be honest... Throughout her tenure of all of these years, she's been pretty staunch in not being political. So for her to have fallen twice, I think that's forgivable, isn't it, really? Um, and that's, that's the thing that we have to preach from our side, forgiveness for making mistakes, because that's what the left and the woke lot never, ever do. Uh, yeah, you could forgive if we, 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 can, we can forgive them, but ultimately they've got to show repentance for what, for what they've done. And I don't, I don't think she's ever going to repent. And yet, and yet, it's probably no. the. I, I would say it's the single worst act of her monarchy doing that, because she's participated. Really? Yeah, I think she's participated in, in the, the destruction of her of her country that she should be protecting. She should not be playing the game of this this of this horrible overarching agenda, which we're not going to talk about because it's, we'd we'd go down too mm. many rabbit holes. But I. I I'm afraid Queenie lost lost me on that one. I I don't have loyalty to the monarchy well, anymore, and you know you look at the people who are going to replace her. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's it. I I, I think it matters that much, Calvin. 
But it's more about, it's not just about the person though, is it, James? It's about, it's about what she stands for. It's about the institution, you know, the, the crown, the sovereign. And these are ideas as much as they are people that, that unite us. And, you know, you look at other countries that don't have them, like America, what do they have? They've got their flag. I mean, it's a nice looking flag, but it doesn't have the same essence behind it, does it, as, as a, an actual living, breathing person that we can all rally behind. Yeah. The problem is I would have agreed with you totally um, two years ago. I mean, you are as, mm. as I was, I, I, I doubt there was a, there was a cigarette papers between it, it uh, ideologically. We, yeah. we agree on, on loads of things, yeah. but I've changed so much. The one, the one area where we've converged is on the, on the religious thing, uh, which I think is really mm. important. I mean, it, in a way it's the most important yeah. because ultimately it's about, what happens after this, which is going to be a, a lot, lot longer, the next world than, than this one. But is, which is, which is why I'm, I, I, why, when I heard you getting ordained, I didn't know that. I, I, I seized on it because I'm, this is, this I find interesting. Um, that yeah. uh, I was thinking if I, if, if I became a priest today, I could never possibly cope being, ordained or what's it called when you when you get trained to be a priest what's what's the training program called um formed we, we go through formation before we get ordained yeah okay so when you get formed uh you are surrounded by people i'm guessing who are who represent everything that you and i despise um they they are woke they are closer to being gaia worshippers than god worshippers uh that they have no kind of uh, religious backbone. They don't really believe in God as a real. No, I don't thing. think that's fair. Well, no, tell me. No, no. Tell me. So I'm very fortunate. The college that I go to is the yeah. last stalwart of Catholicity in the Church of England. It is. It is the most orthodox um, college for formation and training left. I'm liking that. And there we've got a good cohort. We've got yeah, good cohort of very sound individuals. We've got a principal who's very sound uh, politically and religiously. It's, oh, wow. it's fantastic. The problem isn't where I'm training. The problem is outside of it. The problem is the hierarchy of the Church of England. You know, I've never been more disappointed in my life than I was last year during the pandemic when there's this massive spiritual chasm. You know, people had this void in their lives and it was the yes. church's job to step in and be there for them pastorally, spiritually. Um, and they weren't. And that was that was a line for me that I almost you know had to discern what I'm doing in this church but I figure people like me people like you people like the people I'm training with we have to remain in it in order to nudge it back in the right direction because it was almost unforgivable what the church of England did last year yeah yes indeed I I like that I like that almost unforgivable because of course I suppose as Christians we have to (laughs) I think it's the toughest I think it's the toughest part of being a Christian having to having to forgive it, it is, and it's, it's the thing I go on about the most because it's, it's, that is the core difference between us and the woke because this whole cancel culture is literally about never forgiving you know a footballer who tweeted something when he was an 18 year old idiot putting puerile tweets out there 10 years later he's matured grown up but still we can't forgive him it's, it's inexcusable what he did it's like come on is that really how you want to treat other people is that really how you want to be treated if someone finds something that you've said or done because none of us are perfect, are we? Well, I don't know, Calvin. I think I'm actually a- approaching <laughs> approaching the Godhead. I think I am. I am pretty much yeah there. There you are now. But, but yeah, no. Um, do you, I mean, are you a cricket fan? I don't really follow any sports, to be honest with you. That's my my downside. Ah, 
but well, I'm sure you can still talk about it because because I, I have to say I got very exercised by this. I, I'm not a, I'm not a sporting fan either. I, and, and indeed, I'd never heard of this Ollie Robinson character. It is, he's called Ollie Robinson, right? right. He's, he's no relation. Yeah, no relation. No relation. No. <laughs> Ollie, so Ollie Robinson, as I understand it, is a a fast bowler, a bowler, something. I think he's. He a, plays he, the game of cricket. He's yeah. obviously pretty good at cricket. <laughs> And and yeah. I mean, did you read the emails that for which he had his career suspended, possibly destroyed? I saw some of his tweets. They were immature, you know. They were attention grabbing, typical teenage rubbish. Like he wanted his mates to think he was cool. And yeah, edgy. but I, I, I mean, I wonder whether we're we're not even then ascribing too much significance to them. It's just kind of. You, you sort of splurge out on Twitter. I don't think he even thought anything, you know, most of us don't, do we? And certainly, do you remember in that time, I mean, we're, we're talking what, so he's 26 now and he was he was 17 or 18 then. So, so that's eight or nine years ago. Twitter was a very different place there, then. The world was a very different place that, that it was accepted. I mean, that's, that's how, how distant the age is, even though it was only a period of, of eight years. Um, it was accepted that you could just say crap and then it could be forgotten. It wouldn't be dredged up and used yeah. against you. And now here he well, is. Well, it was part of the conversation, wasn't it? And now it's an archive. That's the problem. Totally. Yeah. The, the, what are they called? Offense archaeologists going through people's. I mean, I wonder yeah. who it was who even decided to, to take the offense archaeologist role. What, why, would, why would anyone do that? What's he, what's he done wrong to. Well, We've all had that, though. I mean, I'm sure you've had that. I've had people digging through my old tweets and say, what, do you still believe this? Or what did you mean by that? It's like, well, if you can't take from the context of the time what I meant by it, that's your business. Nothing to do with me now. But it, people just want to cause trouble. They want to find something to be offended by as well, don't they? Yes, they do. I, I can sort of um, forgive the really woke people who, who, whose identity is is their is their wokeness and because obviously they've got very if they're men they've got exceptionally small penises um they've probably got very low <laughs> very low self-esteem uh very poor intelligence and so to find meaning in their life they've embraced woke fully with 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 absolute zeal I would be more charitable than that, James. I would say what it is, is it's a lack of something in their life and they're looking for something to cling on to. They're looking for, and what they don't know is they're looking for faith. They're looking for spirituality. And because, like I say, the church wasn't there to step in, wokeness has, has filled that void for them. And that's why it's, you know, it's got a, it's a moral compass. It's got its own rituals because they are a religion, essentially, for people that don't have a religion. I think that's, that's a very good analysis. I think it's absolutely right that, that if... Christianity or, or, or whatever the national faith is recedes, people aren't going to just live their lives without that spiritual void being filled by something else. And it's going to be a, yeah. a creed, a credo that's going to be a lot more damaging than, than Christianity. Like, and that's what's happening. It is more damaging. Hmm. And this is, this is why we have so much cognitive dissonance with, with these woke lots, you know, I, I don't want to tread on old ground, but, you know, I often get attacked, racially abused by the left, by black people on the left who are calling themselves anti-racist. And they genuinely believe that they're fighting the good fight against racism, while at the same time hurling racial abuse at people like me. And we saw today, John Bonds has received quite a lot of it. It's like they can't see 
the error of their ways because they subscribe to a moral code that says, if you're not with us, you're against us and you're fair game. You can't break it down. Oh, totally. The, do, have, you, have you been on, on any of those marches we've had recently, the, 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 the London, you know, the, 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 the rallies against the vaccine passports and all, and all that? You perhaps you haven't. They're always when I'm stuck in Oxford, but I've seen you, you and Lawrence out there making some cool videos. Yeah, yes, exactly. Of course, you. Yes, you. You, you share my love of of the Loza. Um, so, so we've we've. I really recommend you go on these on these marches because, unlike um, Black Lives Matter marches, which are virtually monocultural, they're, I mean, they're pretty much all white people, yeah. aren't they? Just just kind of um, with the old yeah. sort of token black people to show that, to remind us that it's about black life. Um, but the. Uh, the anti-lockdown, anti-vaccine passport marches are just, you know, your proper melting pot, such as, such as uh, these woke people, it's supposed to be their dream. And one thing that strikes me about the people who go on these, these um, anti-lockdown marches, uh, anti-vaccine marches, uh, is that nobody gives a flying F, I must stop myself swearing on this podcast because I know, I know children like them. Nobody gives a toss about whether somebody is black or white or, or you know, it's, it's, we are, we are, yeah. I'm not saying we don't notice each other's colors because I think it's part of yeah. what makes life interesting, but I don't think there's a shred of kind of race baiting or, you know, I don't think the black people on the march that look at me and think that I'm, I'm, I should be checking my, my white privilege or anything like that. I just think they see me as a fellow human yeah. being. Whereas I think there is something genuinely racist within the, this, the woke community. They're obsessed with it. Yeah, there is. But, but I think it comes from a place of good intention for the most part. I think they genuinely believe that they're going to make the world a better place by fixing society in their own image and by, but you know by saying that oh, all these poor black people we need to help them out and it's, it's patronizing and it is racist but they don't they don't see that because they think they're doing good and when we come back at them and say well no actually we're all people we're all equal we're, we've all got disadvantages and privileges and and it doesn't matter what our skin color is they'll be like whoa how dare you and it just challenges them on a level they can't accept they can't see it I'm still struggling on how to break down this conversation to engage with these people because it is, you know, they're walking through life with racial lenses on and it's blinkering them from, from the reality of the world that is, it's not meritocratic, the society, we pretend it is, it's not really, but it's as meritocratic as the world has ever been. I, how do you, I mean, I couldn't do what you do. My head would explode. I mean, going on Good Morning Britain, how do you, I know Piers Morgan isn't there anymore, but I bet, I bet you've done shows where he was there. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. And how do you how do you cope? Yeah, good fun. Really? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I love it. I, I genuinely love it. Um, having a debate with people that I disagree with and having an open conversation—it's all good fun. Uh, the only time I've ever been upset is when someone uh, tried to tell me I couldn't have an opinion because of the color of my skin. This is this that, that Ken Hines chap. He's you know he's been hanging around Sasha Johnson. He's very close knit with Black Lives Matter. And I was on talk radio and he said, you, you can't criticize Meghan Markle because she's one of yours. You know, you, you, need, to, you need to look after your own. And I was like, wait, what do you mean my own? I don't share anything in common with Meghan Markle. I dislike her for lots of reasons, not because of the color of my skin or the color of her skin. And it's just, that, I think that's the only time I've, I've gone cross or, or lost my rag on air. But generally speaking, 
people can attack my ideas as much as they like because I'm not always 100% sure of my ideas. I'm sure you're not. You know, I, I think I'm I know right, I am. but I don't know I'm right. I do. <laughs> I do know. I do. Know, I do know. I'm right. The, yeah. I. I, I think. Yeah. You, know, you, Calvin. You are much. You're going to make a much better vicar than than I would. Um. You know. This, which is why I'm not. I'm not about to become ordained. Um. You are. You are definitely. Definitely more tolerant. For example, I've. I. I I've hardened my heart. Um. If that's the right phrase. In the last. In the last eighteen or so mm. months, I've. I've become much less tolerant of people like Kehinde Andrews because I think what they are talking is round unvarnished bollocks and I think it is I think it is not just kind of misguided I think it is wicked I think it is actually it is actually the product of 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 a a mindset which wants to destroy everything of value in our civilization and our culture it is, it is about pure destruction. There is no intellectual value in it at all. Now, I would find it very no, you're, difficult. You're right. Yeah. But tell me more. What, give me your view on Kehinde. So, 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 I, so I just gave a charitable perspective of people that think they're changing the world for better but are wrong. But then there are the other elements, the more malicious elements, like Professor Kehinde Andrews, who are genuine, genuinely causing division, stoking division, uh, in order to sell books, in order to, you know, he's got his own course black studies what does, what does that mean you know a made-up course that no other university ever taught before he suddenly started teaching is he, he's profiteering from division within our society that he's further perpetuating and that you're right that is wicked but we're never going to win over people like professor andrews so i'm happy to debate him publicly um, never in, in the uh, false idea i'm not naive or or arrogant enough to think I could change his mind. But every time I debate him, I open up other people's eyes to how toxic and divisive he is. And they see, actually, that critical race theory that he's peddling, it doesn't sound too good to me. What's this other chap talking about? Oh yeah, unity, Uh, much better option. Um, So that's why I go up against people like him, because just to expose them for what they are. Yes. I mean, you're, you represent a, a viewpoint on appearing on mainstream TV that I used to hold. I used to, I used to think, yeah, it's my job to go and bat for the cause, even though I'm going to be donutted by, you know, a, a leftist, a kind of an Islamist, a, uh, you know, some kind of race baiting loon or whatever. And my job is to be the yeah. the, the far right gibbering loon that we're supposed to despise. Um, but yeah. but now I'm thinking actually. Mainstream TV is so utterly tainted. I mean, it's a bit like going on to Good Morning Britain is a bit like going to a, a sort of uh, a Satan worshipping ceremony on, on mm. June the 21st and, and just in, in the hope that you might stop one person sacrificing a goat or whatever. You know, it, do, you not, do you not feel that? The, you're, you're spot on. Yeah, so my family hate it when I go on Good Morning Britain. They, they, they completely, they, they fret because I'm from the Midlands and, you know, my family up there, they all speak common sense. They, they all, you know, say what they see and, and mean what they say. They don't mess around with all this metropolitan liberal nonsense. That's because that I'm, I'm from the Midlands London. too. So I, I, I understand right. that. that That's background. just normal people, isn't it? Yes. And they know that when I go on a show like that, it's a trap. And they're looking at this, the show, the, the producers and the journalists 
or the presenters are looking for clickbaits. They're looking for you to say a soundbite that they can clip and paint you as a toxic right winger, as you say, swivel-eyed loon, whatever. So, so my family hate it, but I, I honestly think it's our duty to keep exposing the far left for what they are. And, and if mainstream media are going to keep perpetuating this, this woke culture, we have to battle it in the public sphere. Because if we just sit on the outskirts, they're winning because they're all people see is that social justice warrior nonsense 24 hours a day. And they think that that's the main opinion. And we, we know it's not. We talk to normal people. We know what normal people think. Um, but normal people feel oppressed at the moment. They're not allowed to speak or they feel like they're not allowed to speak. And we have to keep, we have to keep standing up and saying, well, yeah, actually you can. Every time someone says, you can't say that, it's like, why can't I? Of course I can say that. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, I, I suppose it helps your your skin color and, and you've got your your afro. Is it an afro? Would you, would you say? Yeah. Is, does it does it count yeah, as yeah, an, afro? It's an afro? Yeah. Although that, that that triggers them as well, because I'm mixed race. So I've got you know, my mother's white, but she's got really thick hair. And my father's black and he, he used to have an afro. So this isn't actually the same type of afro that a black, like a fully black person would have. And it really triggers them because yeah. black people tend to do their hair in, in certain styles. And I just, I just grow mine out, you know, I moisturize it in whatever way, comb it out. But that is one of the biggest criticisms I get. It's like, why is your afro not done in X, Y, Z style? Why is it not this, yeah. this, this? Like as if I don't just have to have certain politics. I don't just have to talk a certain way. I have to do my hair a certain way in order to please the woke lot. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. I think if I if 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 I were in your position, I too would be growing my afro in as out, an outrageous way as I possibly could as a kind of goading device. In, in in the same way. Oh, I'm not doing it to goad them though. Oh yeah. Well, anyway, I like it. I like the fact you've got one because it's uh well, apart from anything else, nostalgia uh nostalgia reasons. It's like those, you know, those 70s um uh what are they called? Black exploitation films. I mean, we don't see many afros around. Right. Now. To be honest, it's just how my hair grows. And, and you know, it is a bit of anti-racism within me because as I was a child growing up in the Midlands, I was the only black kid in my school. I would never have dreamed to have grown an Afro. I got bullied. You know, people would call me all, all sorts of racist names. So this is me reclaiming my own natural hairstyle. And it's quite ironic that in me having an anti-racist stance, I get attacked by the anti-racists. <laughs> Again, it's down to that cognitive dissonance. No, no. I, I my moral is... I never set out to trigger the lips. And I know you do that quite a lot and you know, some of our mutual friends do, but I genuinely try to fight the good fight. And if, it, if that triggers the lips, that's on them. But I don't set out to purposefully trigger them. That's not my agenda. Yeah, yeah. But so do you, do you, can you recall any greatest hit, hit moments against uh, Kahinde Andrews that I should be checking out on, on YouTube or whatever? Yeah, so I was against him on... Um, uh, what's Nicky Campbell's show? The, the big questions. Yeah, yeah. And I got him to say on air, I got him to admit on air that he calls other black people uh, Coon, Uncle Tom, and House Nigger for not subscribing to his worldview. And it wasn't challenged at the time, but it's, it's filmed, it's a clip, it's out there. So, you know, openly admitting that he's racist. I totally love that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, what, what, is, what is Black Studies anyway? Have you, have you worked it out? I still don't know. So I reviewed his book, actually. Uh, not that I'm obsessed with him, but it's just that we have to challenge these ridiculous ideas. Yeah, you've got to know your enemy. This book, it's fiction. It, like, he rewrites history in order to... So I think Black Studies might be his perspective on history. But he, he said things like, you know, the reason that the Chinese government at the moment, I was like, oh, he's getting into the Chinese. I like this. Maybe we've got something in common. 
And he was like, the reason the Chinese are taking over the world at the moment and, you know, in, in Africa and in the Caribbean and building infrastructure and building an empire, essentially. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, carry on. He said, the reason is because they're emulating Westerners and they're copying uh, white ways of building empire. I'm like, wait a minute. You do know the, the Qing dynasty and you do know that the Chinese had empires a long time before we did. They know how to build an empire. But no, it's all the white man's fault. Everything in the world is the white man's fault in his eyes. And I can't, I can't understand that. It's just from a position of pure hatred. Have you, have you tried the, um, the Ashanti kingdom on him? Because <laughs> that, that hasn't got a very good record on, on, on the slavery, slavery element. <laughs> a whole there. kingdom you, you built on slavery. Because, well, you can't argue with these people with facts because they just change the facts or they disregard them. No, I went, oh, I went on this amazing press trip once to, um, to Ghana. And um, do you know the Ghanaian handshake? There's a special oh, no, Ghanaian handshake they do where they, where, where they feel you, the way to, the, um, to the, the last joint of your little finger and they flick it. Uh, it, it sort of snaps like that. And the reason is that when, when the Ashanti um, slave masters went into the, into, in a, into the African interior to bring slaves to trade in the, in the slave ports like Takaradi, I think it is. Um, they would chop off their the top joint of their little finger in order to show that they were slaves, not kind of Ashanti. You know, they couldn't be mistaken. So if they tried to escape, so w- what the symbols says, what the handshake says is, "You are not a slave." Anyway, wow. yeah, yeah, that is controversial. Well, but it isn't controversial. It's just kind of what history is really like and what life is like it's 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 how people are yeah. it's rather than this kind of fabricated version of reality that people like Hindi Andrews specialize in I, I couldn't I couldn't do that anymore I, I would just also the other problem is that you, you must have found this with Piers Morgan his 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 technique he he abuses his position as the kind of presenter to really bully you and, and sort of force you in a particular direction, put you on the spot, uh, unsettle you, which I think is very unhealthy. Yeah, I think he forgets sometimes that he's not always talking to someone in high office. You know, it's, it's quite okay to hold them to account, but when you've got a member of the public or just a you know, journalist on your show, to, to question them in the way that he does, I don't think it's entirely appropriate. Uh, even when you're on his side of the argument, you know, it, he's still... Uh, yeah, bullying is, is an appropriate word, I think. The way he puts himself across sometimes is frustrating because he used to be so good at, at this stuff. And I think he's, he's gone off to the clickbait soundbite audience, unfortunately. But now, now he's left GMB. Hopefully he'll find his ways again. Oh, he, yeah, stop that Christian forgiveness nonsense, Calvin. He's awful. He's going to... I'm sorry, <laughs> but we, we can forgive him, but he's going to burn in hell. There's no question of it. Um, yeah. There's always a question of it. Yeah, I think I think it's you know, if I had to put money on who's going to burn in hell, I I think he'd be fairly high on on the list. Um, the, it's not our the, job to judge. The, no, no, that's it's great. God's going to do it, and it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be just awesome. But okay, so the other thing I wanted to um, point to make about going on these these uh, TV programs, and again, this is only what I've realised in the last year, say. Thank you. Is I can be I'm better now. I've got a cup of tea. Um, if it's a cup or a mug, it's uh, it's a mug. 
I think. Well, it's a sort of a hybrid. Oh, shame. I don't like drinking out of I don't like drinking out of thick lipped um things. It needs I, to I, be drunk from China. It doesn't have to be fine china, honestly. fine bone china, but it does we, have to we, be leafy. This is a problem with our society. We've we've become Americanized. Everything is in mugs. Everything's big and brass. It's like what happened to pro- a nice civilized cup of tea. The problem about give if we're going to go, go on the tea digression, the problem about the kind of tea, <laughs> the kind of tea you drink out of China, is probably yeah. not the kind of tea I like drinking. I like drinking Kenyan tea. Uh, mainly, and you want to drink Kenyan tea with milk out of a mug. Um, you, you, when you're drinking out of out of China, you know how when you go to a hotel for afternoon tea, and the yeah. the tea is always really not quite up to scratch. Um, it's never quite strong enough. They even they they put it in a kind of funny oh. little dispenser, and you get leaves, and even then the leaves they don't please me. I I like Kenyan. Oh. You know, I love loose leaf tea. And obviously you just have to brew it for a bit longer. Just no, because five minutes for a black tea. No, because I think, I, I think you get too much tannin if you overbrew it. I think it needs three minutes max. Three minutes for, for, a, for a green or a white. I'd say five for a black, but we, we, we digress. <laughs> it's good. No, it's good doing tea snobber. People like, people like that. I think people like, like to know, know about us and our, our values. So the, the second point I was going to make was that, um, and Piers Morgan, or that that awful, that awful breakfast TV program, which you know, I mean, I I, I can't even mention its name. Um, well, I will. Good Morning Britain, um, uh, who's got the, the the appalling Dr. Shillery on it, pushing whatever government nonsense on the vaccines. Or, but that's 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 by the by. Um, but what these programs do is they legitimize points of view that should never be in legitimized. So you've got, what's that other, um, the other uh, universally um, used by the BBC, et cetera, um, black girl, um, posh girl, went to Oxford, you know, child of complete bloody privilege, wants Nelson's column taken, uh, Afua Hirsch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Afua Hirsch. Um, That, by inviting these people, look, you've got, look at the kind of people who sit at home watching breakfast TV. They are yeah. the brainwashed, aren't they? These are the kind of people who wear masks in their car that, on their own. They're those kind of people. They, they watch oh, breakfast. I don't know. I think we're, we're, stepping, we're stepping into woke territory here in sneering at, at the British public. And, and also we're getting very close to to no platforming and deplatforming, like this is the, the U shape of politics, isn't it? We, we're approaching the left right now. What we need to be doing is celebrating these people having a platform as long as we're up against them, debating them, and like I say, exposing their ridiculous ideas for what they are. Uh, we don't want to. We don't want to no platform them and say that actually they're too loony to get on TV because every time they're on TV, people realise how loony they are. And I have much more faith in the British public and the viewing public. Um, I think, you know, every time they see a stupid idea, they know it's a stupid idea. No, I'm sorry. I, I just, I just told you, you are, you are saying the kind of crap that I would have said two years ago. And it's why we lose. <laughs> I, 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 we're talking about, we're talking about the destruction of our culture here. The destruction of all, the, uh, basically the, the destruction of Western civilization 
And part of that process is the use of the mainstream media of, of, of television programs like, like that Breakfast TV program, which probably has, I don't know, I don't know what, what audience it has, but it's quite a large one. And it is introducing yeah. to the, uh, into the, the public realm tiny, tiny, tiny minority ideas. You know, I mean, I might, I might represent a point of view which says that, I don't know, everyone should have their left ear chopped off, um, I don't know, as, as a kind of to, to feed my, my dragon god. Well, I'd, yeah. never get, I'd never get my minority stupid, poisonous dragon god ear chopped off view on, on, on breakfast TV. But when it's something mm. something equally fatuous, like we must take down a monument to the guy who defeated who defeated Napoleon, who was going to who wanted to conquer England, conquer Britain, and enslave yeah. us. I mean, we, we were just going to be a kind of what sort of agricultural territory producing stuff for the French Empire. You know, he was bent on conquering mm. our country. The guy who defeated him at Trafalgar deserved that that place on his column in Trafalgar Square. Why should this yeah. imbecilic woman even be entertained for a millisecond? What, and, uh, because what it does, you, you, you may say that you, Calvin Robinson, can go on breakfast TV and articulately present the sensible person's case. But the point is that this outrageous viewpoint, which, should, which would never have been entertained in the public realm, um, is invited on as a, as a kind of program of ultimately a leftist program of moving the Overton window leftwards and, 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 and saying right. here viewers is a valid viewpoint. Well, it's not. Yeah. No, you, you're on, you're onto something there. Absolutely. In the shifting of the Overton window. Yeah. We do have to have these debates, but not necessarily with the far, far left extremists, the hard left extremists, like the people we've talked about on the show so far, if we could bring it back into the center a little bit, um, and have sensible people debating it, it would be a bit better. But I don't think the morning show is the problem. I think it's the entertainment shows. You know, when we talked about BBC before, we, we talked about, you know, shows that they're putting out, EastEnders or whatever. And they, they, even EastEnders had a whole skit around the vaccine, didn't they? All of these mainstream entertainment shows now are pushing an agenda, whether it's woke yes. or whether it's... It was that scene, know, wasn't it, in the bar where the man, that, the man was... The, the man who was anti-vaccine was obviously very stupid and he was shown to be so. By, by EastEnders. But that's the issue, isn't it? Because that's not challenged. That's not an open debate. There's no alternative viewpoint pushed across there. That's where it's even more of a problem. Yeah, where else do you think is the, I mean, okay, so you're talking about dramas. You think, you think that's where, they, where the most dangerous, I, I, you, you could be right. I mean, that, that, that terrible thing um, with the, the lesbian serial killer uh, that, that everyone, everyone oh, loves. Oh, Killing Eve? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, even, even I enjoyed that one. <laughs> yeah, you see, that's the Calvin. You see, that's the problem. If if you're going to be a, pe a priest, you know, should we should be be making signs of the cross about that kind of thing. Uh, oh, and what about absolutely the, right? And the, and the one I tell you what the, the one that really I just gave me the creeps so much. The one where the woman out of the X Files, Gillian um, Anderson plays the detective who's producing the sexy, sexy serial killer who, even though he, he get preys on women and, and, and murders them, but he's kind of sexy. And there's a kind of, there's a kind of sexual chemistry between Gillian Anderson and the, and the serial killer guy, you know, and, and it goes on for several seasons. 
Do you know that one? I have, no, I haven't seen that one, but it sounds familiar. It's a similar thing to what happened in Luther and lots of these detective programs where the serial killer is, is you know, you can emphasize with them because they've got traits that are relatable and it's, it's humanizing um, sin. It's humanizing evil, essentially. And you're right, we should, I should be holding the sign of the cross up to it. But we've become, it's normalized because, you know, society has become so degenerate at this point that everything is about sex and violence. Uh, and if it doesn't have any sex or violence on TV, it doesn't get put out. It doesn't get aired anymore. There, no. Where is John Benjamin's uh, documentary on churches? Where, where are the historic um, documentaries that educate but don't necessarily entertain? We don't see that stuff anymore, which is why I'm a part of Defund the BBC, because you know, these outlets have lost their way. No, I think that's a, that's a, very, good, that's a very good cause. You're, d- you're definitely um, doing a good, good job there. Yeah, that thing about Benjamin and and churches i mean it's or civilization civilization kind of yeah, yeah totally totally i think i've i've ranted about this before but it's worth worth mentioning again that that one of the things that really pissed me off mightily about the whole lockdown thing was that if if i'm passing a church i like to go into the church and have a sniff around i mean it, it seems to me it's part of our it's a very important part of our culture isn't it and you see, you, you might see um, interesting effigies and, and things where you could do brass rubbings on and, uh, and all sorts of yep. historical details. And the churches are all closed. I, that, for me, it, it is, like I, say, I said earlier, almost unforgivable. It's a priest's job to die for Christ. It's a priest's job. We should, they, a priest should be martyring themselves before they let the government say you have to close your church. In fact, it wasn't even the government. It was the Church of England that took the government guidance a step further and said, well, we'll close so we're the same as every other secular organisation. No, it's the church's job to be there for people in a time of need. And during a national pandemic or a global pandemic, or even if you don't think it was real, whatever, it's a time of need for the people of the country. And every single parish priest should have remained, should have kept their church open for their parish congregation so they had a place that is, it's not just a part of faith, it's a part of the community. It's something that holds people together. It's a safe space to use their own terminology against them. And I, I, I'm really, really frustrated and angry that so many priests capitulated uh, to the secular hierarchy of the Church of England. So some didn't. My priest was fantastic, kept his church open throughout and said, you know, I'm, doing, I'm saying a private mass at this time, if you happen to be in church while I'm saying the mass, you can receive, that's fine. You know, get around the guidance with loopholes if you must, but you should die before you let someone close your church and keep your keep your faithful away from the sacraments. Yeah, no, I I like your I like your language there. So you could be um St. Calvin a Beckett Robinson. Oh, goodness, no. <laughs> but, you know, people found ways. You know, some priests went round during the first lockdown when it, we took it all very seriously. What was that? An obnoxious idiot outside, you know, revving in the middle of Mayfair. Um, during the first lockdown, we, we all took it quite seriously. Some priests, you know, went round from door to door, giving out, you know, prayer books and guidance material and stuff like that. I think that's, that's very wholesome and great. But it, essentially, your church is more than just a building. It's, you know, surrounded by centuries of prayer and it's the place that people come together uh, in, in, to, to worship together. It has meaning. And, and this is why churches are so beautiful as well, because the beauty should direct our gaze to God. And it's all about something bigger than ourselves. So again, it's absolutely not okay that we close them for so many people all around the country and left people, vulnerable people on their own. You know, I know people that 
quite elderly people that church was the thing for them, that they got out of the house on a Sunday, they met up with the same people. Uh, and after the lockdown, they're not the same anymore. They've lost, you know, their, 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 their well, you know, their mental, mental capacity is gone because the, the thing that they held onto, the thing that they're clinging onto, that community spirit has been taken away from them. And that, that is unforgivable. That is disgusting. I tell you what, what's been worrying me is that what happens, something similar has happened to the National Trust, actually. What happens where, when an organization originally it has an original purpose, you know, in the National Trust case, it's preserving uh, historic properties and, and displaying them, you know, in, in a way that, that people can, you know, in, enjoy. Um, when it changes agenda to promoting wokeness promoting uh, you know discovering that this building was owned by a gay person once and isn't that amazing uh and in the same way the church of england uh which should be doing all the things you've just mentioned is instead having this um well about of iconoclasm really isn't it it's it, it it's threatening to remove any any statue or anything in the in the church architecture which relates to anything that, that that is politically incorrect um yeah so they're saying you know they're giving out the church is giving out guidance on how to dispose of or remove monuments and statues that might cause offense in churches and that in itself is is worrying but the document i read through it and the document was steeped in critical race theory you know the document itself proclaims that this nation is systemically racist. So I looked at what they referenced for proof of that. And they referenced a previous church report, which actually stated that the Church of England is systemically racist. So I looked at, well, where's the evidence for that? And that report links to the Archbishop of Canterbury saying in Synod and apologizing for the church being racist. But that's it. It's just statements, just it's rhetoric. There's no evidence, there's no research. And it goes worse than that. It goes worse than being woke because what they're doing is they are saying that racism is a sin, which of course it is, but then they're saying that it's, because they're aligning with critical race theory, they're saying they want to remove white normativity and, and they want to address white theology and look at more black theology and liberal theologies. And what they're saying by all this is that racism is a sin that is only committed by white people. Therefore, there is now a, a new sin that can only be committed by certain people. And that is anti-Christian. That goes against all of church teachings. So they're actually changing theology and changing doctrine in order to squeeze in critical race theory. And I don't think they realize what they're doing with that because it is heresy. Um, you say that racism is a sin. Um, would, would racism even have been a concept in, in Jesus's time? I mean, how, how do you know it's a sin? Greater point. So no, it wouldn't have been, uh, you know, and, and he, but he would have preached, you know, that no Jews, no, no Greeks, uh, you know, everyone is, is a person, everyone is unique and has their own different gifts and talents and um, yeah. all contribute to life in, in different ways. But obviously race is a social construct. We know that it's, it's quite a modern idea, but it is the, the sin is discriminating against people or prejudicing against people based on immutable characteristics and, and, and being hurtful or hateful to, to people based on something that they can't control. That's, that's the sin element of it. Yeah. I mean, the, I don't see how technically the church could be racist, or the Christian church, because if it were, it wouldn't be Christian. I mean, by, by definition, that, that, that you, you, you surely believe that, that we're all God's children and we're all made in his image. Ergo, 
Exactly. The moment you accuse this institution of being racist, it's not Christian either, which actually, which actually may be quite accurate, given what's happened to the church under Welby. For well, was it, was it, was, were you referred to the Archbishop's report? Was that Justin Welby that did that? Yeah, it was indeed. And I've, I've challenged him publicly about this. But you're right in, in that you can't just accuse an institution of being racist unless you have proof to back it up. And if you don't have proof to back it up, you're making a statement or, or an accusation um, and undermining all of the work that we've, we're trying to do it, it within that organisation. Of course, there will be in the individual elements of racism in individual churches and that needs to be addressed wherever it occurs but that doesn't make the whole institution racist personally. i don't even know i'm not even by that walk. Walk. Yeah, i mean yeah. you know i just think there's, there's so much up echelons of the church as a black man so how where's the racism no we're well, quite um that justin welby is the equivalent of uh, you find his his type across across industry. I mean, Paul Polman, the guy who used to run Unilever, perhaps he still does, is, is again, um, one of those. So is um, that Canadian, he used to be the Bank of England, you know, Carney, Mark Carney. They're all part of well, that Tim kind Parker, of... National Trust. Yeah, Tim Parker. They're all part of this sort of effete globalist elite, which don't give a toss about the institutions that they they... Or, or the needs of the people that those institutions supposedly serve. So how are you going to deal with that? I mean, you've got basically a really, really crap. I mean, he's your boss and he's really crap. He doesn't, he probably, I, 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 I wonder if he boss. even believes in God. I only have one boss. Yeah, but is yeah, that, I, I, is that the deal in the church of England? Can you, can you do that? Yeah, you say, well, it's, like, not, it, it's not a job, is it? It's a vocation. I have a calling from God to serve the people of this country um, and I will do that to my, the best of my ability. And of course, I will obey my bishops. And of course, I will I'll stick to, to the laws and canons of this land. But that doesn't mean I can't challenge wokedom and anti-Christian sentiment where I see it. Yeah, but OK, what if what if a message comes from from the archbishop um, saying, well, I, I hope you get, a, you get a nice parish and you've got a lovely old church with um, these uh, with this tomb of this chap who. He was so racist, he went to, to fight in the Crusades and killed lots of innocent Muslims. And um, obviously, I'm giving an extreme example here, but the church authorities have decided that this offensive racist monument must, must be removed. I mean, you, you may say I, I serve God, but ultimately, you're, you're, you're part of this kind of bureaucratic system as well. Can, do you have the power to say no? Do you, how much autonomy do you have over your church? Uh, you have a quite you have quite a bit, not as much as you used to when you used to be the freeholder, but you have quite a bit, and it's up to the PCC that you know the parish church council. Um, they can dictate uh, what what happens within the ground. So you can make it um, democratic. You can put a vote and say, you know, we should keep this statue in place, shouldn't we? And most normal people will say, of course we should. But I don't think anyone's going to come along and say, oh, we need to remove that offensive statue. It's more the other way around. It's more when people say, oh, let's look. That that looks offensive, and then they're, you know, they're pushing it from the other angle, which I obviously wouldn't do. I'm I'm conscious that you've got a mail article to write, so I'm not, I'm not going to hold you up much longer because because I know I know what it's like being a, being a freelancer. But just can you answer? Now I've got you. You can help answer a question that I agree with you. There needs to be a revolt from within the Church of England. If 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 it's have if if it's to have any meaning at all, there's got to be a lot that's got to be clawed back. But given how 
deep the rot is within the church. I mean, give it the, the, the Bishop of St. David's, what did she say something the other day? It was some really ghastly. Oh yeah. Never, never, never trust a Tory. I mean, she's right, but I'm not sure that it, <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> that she meant the congregation. And this is the problem that, you know, it's, it's these people, these bishops, but they're so woke and they don't realize how toxic and divisive they're being. Like she has a cure, a cure of souls. She has a job to protect and serve the people within her diocese. And she's clearly not doing that for all of them. And she doesn't trust half of them, all the majority of them, depending on how they voted. But I think it's not, the rot isn't that deep because, it, you know, it's the cliche, but it is the church's guardian readers preaching to daily mail readers. And all we have to do is get a few of those daily mail readers into the higher positions and this, the problem's solved. The problem yeah. is the hierarchy, it's the people at top. We just need a clean sweep and we'll be all right because the congregations, the people, the faithful are great. They're wonderful people. It's yeah, just, but yeah, you've, you've said yourself, you're at, you're at a theological college, which is sound. You've got, it's, it's a high, high Anglican, right? It, it, it's going to be the, mm. the proper, oh, yeah. you know. High yeah, church, high Tory. The, the proper deal. But how many other theological colleges have you got in the country churning out sort of woke, happy, clappy, you know, you're outnumbered, mate. I know, but it's about quality, not quantity. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but also you've got the hierarchy who are not going to let people like you through. Yeah. yeah. Are they? You're right. You're right. (laughs) Stop it. It's so pessimistic. (laughs) Don't make me turn black pills. But... I honestly believe we have a fighting chance, and we have to. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, we can't I mean, let this fall, this great institution fall down on our watch. That would not be okay. I totally agree with the principle. I'm, I just think about all these churches all around the country with these with these just amazing history, and 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 that they've got the essence of all the people who worshipped in them in the past, and all their you know their, their special places, and they've been. Oh, they are owned. I mean, are they are they owned? They, they I, I don't understand. The, the Church of England owns every church, does it? it? The freehold. No, the Church of England owns a lot of churches, but you know, some of the clergy and some of the churches, some of the deities own some of the churches. It's a complicated system. But how? You, I mean, that's what that's what we need to take back. We need to storm those churches and, and somehow get the get the ownership of them, because otherwise they're going to be in the hands of the enemy. Yeah, absolutely. We need to devolve the, the ownership of the churches down into the parish level yeah. all over the country, just like, you know, the same with the National Trust and all of these institutions. We need to make sure that all the power, wherever possible, is in the hands of the local people, because the local people, normal people, are the ones with common sense values. It's these uppity, woke idiots that have high aspirations that think they're going to change the world for the better with their virtue signaling that are destroying this country. We need to take the power away from them and give it back to the normal folks. Well, there's your mission, mate. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> thank you we're, we're on this mission together don't you can't skype out Calvin, you've led for years so you need to you know i will give you i will give you what support i i can but just bear in mind that i'm not i don't have your your tactfulness i don't have your quite your spirit of f- forgiveness um i <laughs> but i'll do what i can i'll do what i can um so um, thank you very much, Calvin Robinson, for being my special guest and for, for tolerating all my outrageous, <laughs> my outrageous questions. Um, and don't forget, That's everyone. Pleasure. You know what, James? Yes, tell me. I love being on a podcast with someone more right wing than me. I, that never happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid to say that you are pretty gay. In in in, in when it comes, to, you're basically a, a woolly liberal in my in my book. Yeah. Wow.
Um, but yeah. no, I, like, I'm glad you're out there fighting the fight. And everyone, don't forget to support. I, 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 I never say this often enough. Uh, please support me on Patreon, Subscribestar, um, and, you know, dellingpoleworld.com. Uh, and Calvin, uh, it's been great. And um, come back again soon and tell me more about your adventures. Thank you. An absolute pleasure. You need to come down to Reclaim HQ. Let's film something down here. Let's do that. All right, mate. Bye-bye. Cool. Cool.